we can get it popping. All right, for sure, man. We're gonna get started, man. You ready? No doubt, no doubt. All right. Hey, Spark Dog, how you feeling today, man? I'm blessed. I'm blessed, man. Appreciate y'all for having me though. Nah, man, it's no problem, bro. I see you shining over there. I see the big K chain. I already know you're repping Killeen. Oh, yeah, man. K chain to the death of me, man. You dig? I ain't mad at that. I ain't mad at that, man. Well, look, we we here to talk about you, man, and your career. And I really want to peel back, you know, some layers to your, your story, man. I've been doing a little bit of research and learning some things about you. So I feel like I got some good questions for you, man. All right. Cool, cool, cool. I'm excited because I, I got a feeling you're not going to hit me with the with the classic like origin stories and stuff like that because i know you did your research already so yeah, i'm looking man. forward to it well dude let's uh let's start from the beginning though um so bro you were born in panama um yes i got a chance to visit panama a couple years ago man beautiful country and i guess my question to you man you know how old were you when you moved and how does coming from, you know, a Panamanian background, how does that influence your sound? And do you feel a responsibility? Even though you don't have maybe the biggest connection to it, do you feel like a responsibility to put that in your music? I think now that I'm older, I definitely feel some type of, not even responsibility, but I just, I want to, you know, because it is a part of my, 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 my background or, you know, my DNA, you know? As far as when I moved from there, I was maybe less than a year old, you know, mm. as far as I know, the, the stories I've been told from my parents is uh, my father, he was, he was uh, from North Carolina. He joined the military and uh, America has a U.S. base uh, station in Panama called Fort Clayton. So he got stationed there and he met a local, which happened to be my mother, you know, and they fell in love and had me and got married. And um, almost immediately after they got married and had me, uh, we were stationed at Fort Hood which is pretty much uh, near Killeen, Texas. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I don't remember, you know, Panama like that. You know, I was definitely a baby. You know, I, I just remember growing up in, in Texas, you know? I got you. I got you. Well, then let me ask this question, man. You know, a lot of your memories and your whole background really is Texas. You know, yeah. what was life like growing up in, you know, Killeen? Like it's, we know it because of the military base. Yeah. Well, what is life like in a town where it revolves around the military? Um, it's cool because it's kind of like a melting pot. You know, we have people from across the globe because a lot of people don't know this, but Killeen is actually the biggest army base that America has, period. Whoa. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, it's the biggest one. So we have it's really a melting pot of all kind of different people, colors creeds and, and and backgrounds you know what i mean so it was pretty cool growing up there i didn't really deal with a lot of racism because like i said you know there's people from all over and then with me not being just one race you know my father he's black my mother's panamanian uh spanish is her first language you know what i mean so i probably came up a little different you know i had a little spanish in my household probably because i was raised by my mother my parents got divorced real early and my father had uh packed up and went back to north carolina you know, and pretty much left my mother alone to raise me, you know what I mean? So um, definitely was a mama's boy growing up in Killeen. And, uh, you know, um, it wasn't always easy. I mean, but my mom tried to make it as easy on me as possible, even if that meant that she had to do things like sell crack cocaine to make sure she put food on the table. You know, she did what she had to do. Like I said, she, you know, was a foreigner, you know, raising a son on her own, you know, in a country where she don't even speak their language. So, um yeah, it was it was uh it was good and bad times, but we made it, you know, and I'm here now and everything that I, I went through growing up, 
molded me to be the person I am today. So no complaints, man. It gets greater later. The story always gets greater later, you know? Sure, man, for sure. Shout out to moms for holding it down and, and doing what was necessary. Yeah, so let me ask you this then, Spark. Like, what were early musical influences for me? Like, I know you're in Texas. Killeen yeah. is in the central part of it, though. But what, what were you listening to? Was it just music from Texas? And, and around this time, who, you know, like, who were the people you listened to around this time? Man, probably the first mainstream rap that I remember, like, when I was a kid, at least seeing them on TV, you know, like, with people like, maybe like MC Hammer and Kid and Play. <laughs> of course. You know what I'm saying? But, like, as I got older and really was paying attention to rap and, and got got to the point where I felt like it's something I want to do, yeah, I grew up listening to people like uh, Swisher House, you know, Chameleonaires and Paul Walls, uh, people like that, you know, Slim Thug. Um, and then uh, I was always fascinated by East Coast rap, too. You know, just the lyricism of the Jay-Zs and the Fabulouses and people like... Um, uh, who else? Uh, um, a lot of East Coast rap, man. DMX, even Ja Rule. You know what I mean? Uh, and then when it came to like just Southern lyricism, very big on people like Ludacris, Lil Wayne, you know, and, and I mean, currently, you know, Drake, you know, people like that who actually rap. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm fans of. I feel like a lot of the music that comes out today is real lazy. Yeah. You know, what I mean? artists artists don't even want to write no more. They just feel like they want to go in there and you know hum and mumble a couple melodies, or you know, repetitively in the studio for a few hours until they can just find words to just fill them spaces. To me, that's like it's just effortless. You know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of the move, a lot of a lot of the music that comes out today is on that type of level. And so I'm just hoping I can be a breath, a, a a real breath of fresh air when people hear my project. I mean, that's one of my goals for sure. Well, I think you are already doing that. You know, I, I listen to your music and I listen to how Drummer described you in the interview. He said, man, it, it reminds him of J. Cole. And that was my first thought when I heard you. I was like, man, this is very lyrical. And so, you know, I, I guess the question I ask you now is, man, like, you know, what is your aim as a rapper for, you know, from your city? Like, what's your aim as a rapper? Because when you listen to a lot of your music, it's lyric driven. Like, it's not, you're not relying on melodies. You're not relying on Steve's, you're just relying on your bars. Like, what is your goal as an artist? I really want to prove that I'm I'm better than everybody else. You know, I really, I want to prove how, how good I am. I got a lot to start. Okay. Whatever you got. I'm waiting on you. It's a session in it for sure. Yeah. That's drum, by the way. Yeah, the, the legend, bro. You just said that shit so cool. Oh, that's the drum. <laughs> yeah. I got to interview him, bro, over phone this year, nigga. It just blew my fucking mind, bro. Oh, yeah? Crazy. Bro, crazy. My mind. But my bad, bro. Continue, man. Um, yeah, I don't even remember where we was at. That just you, me. You were talking about your uh, your aim as an artist. You were saying yeah, that. I wanted better. to remember. Yeah, I mean, I really, I, I like to rap. You know what I mean? And I just want to, um, I, I just want to make people appreciate artists that actually take time to, um, think about what they're going to say and take the time and write it down and try to perfect their craft to deliver, you know, the best, the best musical product possible. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of this music that come out, is just real microwave, you know, it's, it's, it's made fast and you're going to get over it fast. You know what I mean? And, and, and I just want to change that. I really want to change that for sure. Respect. Respect. 
Um, bro, let me ask you something I've been wanting to ask you because the interviews don't ask you this. Um, we know, man, uh, we know that, you know, you got an opportunity to get in the industry with Scarface shortly after high school. But this is the question I want to know. Where were you in college at? And what was the final straw that made you say, I'm leaving this behind and I'm going to go to Atlanta and chase this dream? Um, I tried a semester, I think, at uh, Central Texas College. It was a community college. Okay. Um, I'm just not big on wasting time. Sure. You know, no disrespect to people who go to college, but even in uh, high school, I made sure that I did what I needed to do so that I can uh, graduate, not only graduate, but graduate with flying colors, not only graduate with flying colors, but graduate early enough to where I, I earned enough credits by the time um, half of the year was up at Christmas break to where I didn't have to return back to school until it was time to walk. You know what I mean? So I graduated high school early because I had that many credits because I just knew what I wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? I knew that I didn't want to wake up early dreading to go do something that I didn't want to do, like going to school or going to work at nine to five. I knew that I wanted to um, be a boss, you know what I mean? And, and I just felt like I was just too smart to work for someone else. There's too many legal ways to get some money. And I just feel like being in that cycle, you know, like uh, wake up, work, come home, go to sleep just so you can wake up early enough to go to work. To me, you're not really living, you're just existing. And, and my definition of success was always to where I can wake up when I want and go do what I actually enjoy doing and make a comfortable living off of doing that. To me, that was success. And I didn't feel like I had to go to college to be a good rapper. I was, I felt like I had that back then. You know, it was just more about just just making it happen for me. And I I, I felt like college would have slowed me up for what I wanted to do. Okay, okay. now, nah, and I can't I can't knock that or disagree. I just always wondered what was the backstory to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and it's not to not work. I've worked hard. To be honest, my first job I ever had, I held that down for four years. I'm, I started working at 16 and kept the same job till I was 20 years old, working um, for AT&T in a, a telemarketing company called West uh, Telemarketing. You know, I got burnt out from that. I just, you know, I was making more money than my mother and I was living in high school. You know what I'm saying? Um, but uh, I just got burnt out from working for other people. And, and I got I got fired from that job for something. And I just felt like I didn't, want, I didn't ever want, want my life to be in someone else's hands if I could help it, you know? And uh, worked out pretty good so far, man. So I, I, ain't, I ain't worried about it. Nah, yeah, it, it definitely worked out, man. I, when I hear, you know, when you were describing how you've been able to provide for yourself with grills, man, it's, we're going to get to that. I'll just say that. It's captivating. But um, right. let me ask this question. So I was doing some digging and I wanted to confirm it. I, I know you go by Spark Dog, but did you have a rap name before Spark Dog? I, I don't think so. No, nah, I don't think so. Okay, so it might have been just the name of a project, the Lone Star Kid. That, that used to be an alias of mine for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like that was like that was like an AKA. Yeah, the Lone Star Kid. That's actually that's tattooed on my hand. I got a uh, state of Texas. It was it was, it was free handed. Um, there's a big star in the middle, like the Texas star, you know, for the for 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 Colleen. And I got a, a ribbon up top that says the Lone, and a ribbon at the bottom that says Star Kid. And yeah, that definitely 
Okay, yeah, you coming like Nardwar. You pulled that hey, in now. Hey, man, sure. shout out to the OG <laughs> bloggers, man. The OG bloggers, I had to do some digging. I was like, damn, boy, where did I find this at? You know what I'm saying? That was a good one. I like that one. Good. Damn, man, I forgot. I forgot that myself, man. That's crazy. Yeah, for sure. Nah, Long Star cool. Kid. It's all man. What was the transition from the Lone Star Kid to Spark Dog? Like, what made you change, and what inspired that? You know what I'm saying? I was always, I was always Spark Dog, the Lone Star Kid. You know, it was always Spark Dog. I was Spark Dog, the Lone Star Kid, and the Lone Star Kid was, uh, I think, maybe back in MySpace days, I just used to promote like this project that I was going to put out. Like, you know, whenever I sign my first major deal, I'm gonna put out a project called the Lone Star Kid. And it just happened that I signed my first deal as a member of a group, you know? So I, I didn't get to name that project the Lone Star Kid because I was a part of a rap group called Green City. Yeah. And so it just just kind of fizzled, just kind of fizzled away. You know what I mean? Maybe, I don't know, maybe I might call a project that coming up just just cause, man. That's it was a dope name, you feel me? And, and a lot of people used to affiliate that with my name. So, yeah, it's been a while, but I'm glad you brought that up, man. That, that yeah. was pretty nostalgic for me. Hey, man, that might have to just be a surprise mixtape. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to throw that out there for fans who might want to hear that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. I got to do something with that, man. Maybe a single or something, man. We got to figure it out. You can't let that one waste, bro. You cannot let nah, that one waste, That bro. is a good one. That's a good one for sure. <laughs> um, so, bro, let me ask this, man. Um, When did you – I know you're uh, – I know you kind of got – into your business, you know, after looking at the example of a family member, when did you start saying, you know what, this is going to be my hustle? Like, was this in high school? Was this yeah. when you moved to Atlanta? No, nah, definitely, definitely high school days, like senior year um, was when I got into the business. And I really got into the business for myself. I just wanted to be able to make myself a bunch of grills at dirt cheap wholesale costs, you know, <laughs> because I got a wholesale account with the jury company it was really more about myself and then um my my the rap group members that i got cool with in in high school where i ended up joining a group green city i, I initially got cool with them because i did their grills you know what i'm saying and that's how we developed the friendship i i did the i did the grills and then i started rapping with them later on down the road you know what i mean so but the grills was always there since high school man and it really one of the things say my life you know i could have took a lot of routes that a lot of homies did and, and could have struck out, you know, but for me to find my way, you know, with a legal hustle like this, that ties in with my whole brand, being a, being a rapper whose name is Spark, you know, who, who loves being, you know, iced out and shit like that. It just kind of goes with everything I got going on. So it, it's a perfect marriage, man. And it, it, like I say, man, it's just working, you know, the universe is definitely doing it for me right now. So man, it, you it's up. It's like the shit was drawn up perfectly. Like, dog, I rock ice, I make jewelry, and I'm getting paid off the shit. Like, you you wrote yeah. this shit up brilliantly, bro. I can't even lie. Mm -hmm. I'm reading this shit like, damn. Yeah, for sure. So, it definitely worked out. Okay, so you started off making the grills for the members that you would join with, with uh, Green City. So Yeah, early clients. Yeah, for sure. So, so explain this to me. The dudes that were in Green City... Y'all basically used to go to a gym and that's where Scarface heard the music or how did that happen? No, nah, nah, it's it, it kind of, it was similar story, but that's, that's not exactly it. We had some homeboys that we grew up with, that we grew up with in high school. And um, after high school, um, they got signed to box, you know, they box professionally and they're trained boxers gotcha. and uh, they got signed by Jay Prince. 
And so um, they happened to be at the compound, I believe, in Houston, and they were working out. You know what I'm saying? Unbeknownst to us, you know, we just know them from school and they just happen to be fans because they grew up in, in Killeen, Texas. And then Killeen, you know, we was them, you know what I'm saying? In, in Killeen. So when they out of town, they listening to our music. So, you know, they working out to some to some underground green city shit that um, happened to be uh, something that caught the attention of Scarface because he was in the gym working out next to them, just minding his own business working out. He overheard the music and approached them about, you know, how much he was digging that music and he was trying to see where he can get a copy from, you know what I'm saying? So he can work out to it next time and shit like that. And that's how, uh, you know, they end up letting him know, hey, um, you know, it's not like it's in stores or anything. Like these are these are just my homies from high school, you know, but I can get you in contact with them if you want a copy of their CD type shit. And he called us not for a copy of the CD, he called us because he wanted, you know, to sign us, you know what I mean? And that's how that, that's how that happened. Spark, I know you get tired of asking, uh, answering this question, so I'm going to try to flip it. What was some, I know y'all signed a deal for like an album with them. My only question, what yeah. were some industry lessons that you learned? You ain't got to tell me nothing else, but just what lessons did you get from the experience? Lessons. Uh, I guess probably the same lesson you'd hear from any artist who was able to sign a record deal, fulfill that contractual obligation and still keep itself relevant enough to still continue to pursue a career in music. Probably that lesson would probably be make sure that, you know, you have a entertainment lawyer present, you know, before you sign contracts, just learn the business. You know what I mean? Um, probably wasn't the best deal in the world, but at the same time, it's nothing to gripe about. I could never be upset about that situation because this man didn't have to sign us. You know, this is Scarface we're talking about, a, a living legend, uh, probably almost everyone in the South's favorite rapper. You yeah. know, even people like Jay-Z have gone on the record to stay face with one of their favorite rappers. So um, I would just say learn the business. And, you know, a lot of people will tell you your first deal is probably always going to be your worst deal, you know, but you can't take that as a, you can't take that L as a loss. You just gotta take everything as lessons, man. Like with me, I'm, I'm a real big believer in the law of attraction, you know? So I don't even think negatively about shit because at the end of the day, I'm gonna always look at the cup as halfway full and not halfway empty. You know what I'm saying? I, there's a lot of ways you can look at our situation. Did I just become a overnight superstar cause I signed a Scarface? No, but is that something on my resume that'll go down in history as me being an artist from Killeen, Texas, that legitimately signed a record deal with a living legend like Scarface? You know, I was introduced to the world by a man like Scarface. So, you know, I, I can never say nothing bad about bro. You know what I mean? I appreciate him for that opportunity. And uh, yeah, it was just a crash course in the business, you know? So just prepare me for uh, my new situation. You feel me? So yeah, much love to Brad, man. Thank you. For real. Bro, you got a hell of a rap sheet, dog. Like, I was just looking over. You signed the Scarface. Bro, you've collabed with a lot of my favorite Texas artists. Like, damn, this nigga collab with Flip. He collabed with Millionaire. You collab with all my favorites. And, you know, I read in one of your interviews, you were talking about working with Michael Watts. How did that situation come to be? And explain kind of what it all entailed. Was it just music? Was it touring? Like, what? how did it happen and what did it entail? 
Um, me and Watts' relationship happened when he got booked to a DJ at club night in Colleen. Okay. I wasn't there, but the story that got relayed back to me was he asked the uh, local DJ, um, who's the hot, who's the, who's, who's the hot person out here? You know what I'm saying? Who's your local star? He was like, it's Spark Dog. You know what I mean? And uh, he got a, I think he got the record from that DJ and he, and he played, happened to play it in the club and Watts liked the record so much that Watts found a way to get a hold of me and asked me, hey man, uh, I heard your song and I'm wondering, can I do a Swisher House remix to your record with some Swisher House artists on the song? And I'm like, damn, bro. Like you asking me, can you screw and chop my song and, and put your artist on the, that's not that's like a no brainer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so that happened and that's how we developed like the relationship we had to where, you know, uh, I had him in cameos for early music videos and that developed to, um, let me see, fast forward to 2016, where I came up with an idea for us to tour together. You know what I mean? And I, I broke it down to him. He was with it. Uh, we figured out the business and we hit the road, you know, hit the road running. Um, had a whole tour headline called the uh, Rapper and the DJ Tour, starring Spark Dog and DJ Michael Watts. We hit about 10, 15 cities from uh, Lubbock, Odessa, San Antonio, San, uh, San Marcos, uh, Seguin. Um, even all the way out there to Hobbs, New Mexico. It was a nice run, man. Every show was paid, and yeah, that'll that'll be another thing I, I, I'm able to put on my put on put on my resume, man. That was that was real cool, you know. Bro, <laughs> jealous, bro. That is that's fucking amazing, bro. Like these dudes are major pioneers in the South and shit and rap in general, bro. And you collabed with them at a young age, man. Yeah, for sure. I think the thing was is back then. Everything I got with my career, it was based off just my talent and my relationships with with these people. You know what I mean? It was never really about no money. So, but I, I the older I got, I realized that I've been in this business living kind of naively, you know, just thinking that that's really all it takes. If you're from, I know I'm dope, you know, and, and, and people do favors for me because they like me, you know what I mean? But it's like, you're only going to get to a certain point in this game. You're going to keep hitting the cap. It's a ceiling that you're going to get to. And the only way you get through that ceiling is when you actually start to invest financially into your career. And it just took me a long time to just accept that. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm from a small town. You know, the cost of living in Killeen is, is close to nothing. You know what I mean? But, you know, Killeen ain't an industry city like that as far as the music biz. So you come out to somewhere in Atlanta and you see how the industry's really ran you know that this whole shit is based off of money. You know what I mean? And so once you know that this shit is money driven and there's certain places that you need to place your money to make people work for you, to get you to where you need to get, that's when these bigger doors and opportunities come. But it's, people don't, they, it's like people don't automatically tell you how this shit supposed to go coming up. It's just really trial by error. Cause a lot of times, you know, if you're an artist these days, you're trying to pay your way to get in the game, you're going to get burnt by a bunch of middlemen who's really just taking your money and and, and and trying to middleman some shit and, you know, to get you the bare minimum of what you want to do. And it's, it's like, you got to go through this shit. You're going to take a lot of L's, you know what I'm saying? And you're going to learn a lot of lessons, you know what I mean? But once you figure out, you know, a nice formula to this shit and you got a solid team and genuine motherfuckers who know what's supposed to go on and, and, and know 
uh, about budgeting and, and where you're supposed to go, you know, it, it, it works out. And right now I'm in a situation where I actually have some, some type of machine, which is very reminiscent to what I had going on with Face. You know, when I signed with Face, yeah, at the back end of, of Universal Records, you know, Face, Face, Scarface had his own label called Underground Railroad and uh, Universal Records was distributing our, our, our album, you know, so we had publicists and things like that and how we ended up in the Source magazine and Double XL magazine and, and shit like that to where now, you know, with this situation with Drum and, and Drum Squad, you know, they got a publicist and, you know, make sure I'm on these podcast interviews and make sure I'm out there booked for events during like Rolling Loud in Miami and stuff like that. So to to have that in place, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely, uh, definitely helps, man. And, I feel like I'm on the right track right now. Man, you are. And you, you know, you said some shit I needed to hear too. Cause you know, bro, you, you know, with I'm trying, I'm climbing like you climbing. And there's certain doors you get into just off of fucking with people. But yeah, you get to that level where you be like, but you're gonna have to spend a little bread though to get to yeah. this level. So yeah. So nah, I appreciate that, man. Um, bro, let me ask this, because nobody's asked you about this. You was working with DJ Clue. Yeah, early on. Yeah, mm-hmm. talk about that, dog, because I, I couldn't read nothing up on it. I was like, I'm going to ask him about this for sure. He, he reached out through his cousin, who also happened to be Panamanian, who was a big DJ in Houston by the name of DJ Storm, you know, from Desert Storm. And, you know, Clue's Panamanian, too, you know? Man. So um, he reached out to Storm, and this was, I guess, the buzz around me and Green City, you know, getting with face. You know, obviously, uh, I had a lot of solo work around that time as well. Like, I was always Spark Dog. Even though I was Spark Dog, a member of Green City, I was always Spark Dog. You know, I was getting paid features even back then before being signed. You know what I mean? So when when the situation happened with Face, I guess, you know, we was buzzing away in New York where Clue had sent word down the store to reach out and, you know, uh, sent us a letter of intent, like wanting to sign me to a solo deal with Desert Storm South back then, you know, if they, if he could secure um, major distribution, you know, so it would have to be something like Desert Storm slash, like, I guess back then, maybe like an Electra or Aristotle. Yeah, or, you know, or something like that. Yeah, something like that, you know, and um, I don't know. I mean, I, I remember, I remember talking to Clue and him telling me he took a meeting with, um maybe it was Leo Cohen and them, and they were like, the the best way it would make sense was if Desert Storm would partner up with somebody like a Swisher House or somebody like that, because they already had a situation with Asylum or something like that. And I don't know, the, the particulars never just got worked out like that, but just to be working with Clue, I mean, Clue had us out there in New York, you know what I mean? Um, doing promo with him and shit like that. And it was love, man. I spent plenty of nights in Houston, you know, sleeping on uh, DJ Storm couch, you know, working on mixtapes and shit like that, you know, just to be fucking with them and collabing with Desert Storm artists like Ransom. They had an artist named Ransom back then who was hot, you know, and um, yeah, man, that's that's always extended fam, you know, cluing them just for even reaching out and want to fuck with a nigga from Colleen, Texas, you know, that's, 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 that's extended family for sure. Bro, I appreciate you, and I know ain't nobody else asking you this shit too, so I really appreciate you, bro. You give, give me the exclusive shit, man. I appreciate it. Uh, bro, question. You, you've had a lot of great moments, bro. You've been in Ozone. My, oh, my bad. My, I think my boy wants you to shit record and shit. Uh, I need to set up. What's up, bro? I think the engineer. Okay, what's up? You can set up, bro. I'm just interview quick. 
But um, nah, what I was gonna ask, man, I was gonna say, bro, you had like a, a lot of big moments. You've been in Ozone, you've been in Double XL, you've been in Source, South yeah. by Southwest. What was your first I made it moment? Um uh I think the first one was see back in like maybe oh around oh six, there was a big group in Dallas uh that went by DSR. They signed a big $2 million deal with Universal Records. They had an artist named Tum Tum that was big, another artist named Big Tuck. And then uh, in Houston at the same time, Michael Watts had uh, switched the house. And one of his biggest artists at the time was a dude named Magno, Magnificent. And I had a record call on from Texas with a, with a Pimp C sample. And I had sent it to uh, George Lopez, who used to run uh, DSR Records in Dallas. And I sent it to, to Michael Watts in Houston and asked if I can get some of the artists on the remix. And both of them obliged, and I ended up having a record with uh, the uh, you know features from like the biggest artists in Dallas and the biggest artists in Houston at the time. And I'm from small little Colleen, Texas. When I was able to pull that off, like we said earlier, it's just off the strength of just the relationships and the music and shit like that with no money. I think that's probably like my first like okay, yeah, I, I'm I can I can do this. I'm in the game now. I got major niggas on my records in Texas, and this shit got me booming right now. You know, that's one of them for sure. That is a bitch moment. I ain't gonna lie. For you be able to pull that off, no bread. That's that's just testament to how you was rocking. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Bro, let me ask this question. Um, you just dropped a new single, weight, and yeah. I know you kind of heating shit up for everything to drop. I'm gonna ask you about how you got with Drum Squad, but first, I want to know what can fans expect from you this year? Um, expect to see me like on the screens now. I just I just finished rapping for like two movies out here. Uh Lil Boosie putting a movie out called The Water Boys. And it's based off uh, you know, like the they called the Water Boys out here in the streets. Like if you had a stoplight or something, like they run up on your car with like yeah. bottles of water, like kind of like aggressively trying to get you to buy some water and shit, you know? So it's like a, a kind of like a comedy drama uh based off of that. Lil Boosie putting it out. I got a small role in that, you know. Uh the movie drops September 28th. So, you know, I know the whole, every hood in America is going to see that. So I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to it. I mean, it's a little boosty, you know, so everybody fuck with a little boosty. So it's just a good look, you know, to uh, expand my brand out here too. And I just uh, shot scenes for another movie called Two Brothers. And it's like a culture movie based off these two brothers who's trying to make it in the music industry and all the bullshit they got to go through on that, on that road, whether it's money, streets, riches, uh, politics, you know, shit like that. You know what I mean? So I got small role in that as well. So yeah, y'all look out for that, most definitely. Well, I want to respect your time because I, I know you got shit going on, but I'm, I'm going to try to get a couple good ones in before you go. Um, All right. What, if I'm a first-time listener, they reading this or they listening to this for the first time, what can they expect when they listen to your music? Like, what would you tell them to expect? Uh, a lot of lyricism and very minimal auto-tune. If any. <laughs> hey, that's straight to the point, bro. Appreciate you. For sure. Um, Bro, last question, man. Um, what's the biggest advantage that you think you have working with someone like Drummer Boy? Uh, the beats are already going to hit. They're always going to hit, you know? So, and I'm going to always come with what I come with as far as the wordplay and shit like that. So it's a beautiful marriage, um, metaphorically, you know? Um, yeah, he, he make my job way easier, you know? Like, I know the beat's going to hit, so all I got to do is just do what I do, you know? The type of stuff I've been doing before I got with him. So, you know, he got a, he got a name, you know, uh, a track record, 
uh, and, you know, just, just solid all around, you know, very well respected, super producer. So, you know, to be affiliated and have my name attached to it, it's a blessing. And uh, we're going we're gonna, to, you know, take it as far as it can go. Michelle, hey, bro, I got to respect your time. I appreciate you, man. I'm really, I really appreciate you doing this shit, man. Go ahead and record, bro. We'll chop it up later, all right? Much love, man. I appreciate y'all. Much love, bro. Be easy. Believe that. Peace.